Hello all and welcome to the Gestalt IT Rundown, your weekly look at the IT news of the week. I'm your host, editor with Gestalt IT, Rich Straffolino. Thanks for joining us. We'll be getting the news started in just one moment, but first I have to introduce my co-host. He's the cream that always rises to the top. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Hollingsworth. Tom, nice to have you back on the show. Yes, it's been a while, Rich. I've been off rehabbing an injury, but I'm back and I'm ready to compete for the title. And uh, happy <laughs> National Sibling Day to you and your siblings. All two of them. Nick, Rob, right back at you. Uh, all right, let's get started. This kind of blew up in the last day or two, uh, was covered. We saw it on Twitter quite a bit, but some shakeup in the HCI world, HPE and Nutanix announced a strategic partnership that will see Nutanix's enterprise cloud OS on HPE's on-prem consumption-based GreenLake service offering. I don't know exactly how to frame what GreenLake is. Basically, they put their stuff in your data center, you consume it as a service, uh, as well as allowing partners to sell HPE ProLine servers with Nutanix software on top for a turnkey solution, which I almost said turkey, and I'm glad I didn't. Both will be available in Q3. Partners are reportedly seeing this as a hedge against uh, Dell EMC and VMware market dominance, which I don't think is too far of a stretch uh, to kind of assert. But Nutanix says that all existing OEM relationships will not change a result of this strategic partnership. Wink, wink, we already don't like Dell EMC. Uh, will this partnership prove uh, a fully managed hybrid cloud infrastructure delivered as a service on-prem be enough to steal away some market share from the leaders? Tom, I'm interested in your thoughts. Uh, hold on a second. Signs point to no. <laughs> and, and, and here's why. Uh, we, we've already seen this. Nutanix has taken a beating in Q1. Uh, stock was down almost 25%. Uh, Dell does not have friends. They just have enemies they don't hate very much right now. <laughs> Um, and we all know that Nutanix and VMware are basically just waiting for the opportunity to stab each other in the forum and, and claim add to VMware or, or what have you. Um, I, and, and this is no knock on VMware or Dell or Nutanix. This is just the way things are. If you literally are going to try to ride Dell into the sunset as your vendor of choice for hardware – that relationship will change. It always does. Ask Cisco how the V-Block thing worked out. <laughs> um, this is just basically HPE ponying up money to get ProLiant servers into data centers. So, That's really what this is. So in, in this partnership, in this Nutanix-HPE partnership, Nutanix is the thirstier one, I guess, if we're, if we're looking. Like, do they need HPE more than HPE needs them? Oh, HPE needs Nutanix at this point because Nutanix is the one pushing servers. Mm -hmm. Nutanix is really the one that's that's driving a lot of this. Um, I don't, man, I don't know. Um, Nutanix doesn't need a friend, but they will soon. Okay. And I think that that's what this is. Nutanix is like, you know, hey, buddy, how's it been? I know we haven't really <laughs> been talking for a while, but I was wondering if you maybe you want to go grab a cup of coffee and play some baseball. And HPE is like, really, 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 really? Please, yes, please. And then SimpliVity is locked in the basement. Let us out, please. Oh, I feel so sorry for the SimpliVity people after all of this because HPE made such a big announcement about how they were going to be including the SimpliVity product line and everything that they were doing. And yes, now they're currently locked in the basement making, I don't know, banners for people or something man they're having their weird uh hardware uh dedupe card that's all they're going to be going to be doing in the future yeah uh so the 
it's interesting in light of a story we covered last week. We were looking at HCI market share, and no surprise that Dell EMC, in terms of in terms of hardware and new and um, VMware in terms of software, were kind of the market mm-hmm. leaders, at least according to IDC. Interesting though that uh, HP was number three on the hardware front, but Nutanix was number two, kind of in both categories, but was also the slowest growing of the top three. So kind of. Um, you know, alluding to the fact that they don't need a friend now, but they will soon. Um, you know, uh, slowing growth in, in the face of uh, some pretty stiff competition. Interesting to see uh, where this will be in uh, in a year or so. If we'll still be talking about this. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, aside from Sibling Day, we also had AI, the AI Day conference this week. Uh, Qualcomm announced that the Cloud AI 100, a new signal processor designed for AI inferencing on the edge. Uh, Qualcomm estimates it will be three times faster than inferencing on their Snapdragon 855 SoC. It's kind of their top-of-the-line mobile chip and about 10 times faster than current FPGAs and about to exceed uh, 100 tera operations per second or tops, uh, which is evidently good. I'm not familiar with what the tops scale is other than for trading cards. Uh, the Cloud AI 100 integrates with tons of developer tools, supports runtimes including Onks, Glow, XLA, as well as frameworks like Google TensorFlow, uh, Facebook's PyTorch, Baidu's Paddle Paddle, and Microsoft's Cognitive Toolkit. I only included the Baidu one because I wanted to say Paddle Paddle. The dedicated AI chip market is suddenly getting very crowded, Tom. Intel's Nirvana Neural Network processor and their Agilex line kind of coming online uh, later this year and into 2020. Uh, we have Google's Edge TPU, uh, AWS's Inferentia FPGA, Facebook's Google Canyon. We have whatever Baidu and whatever uh, Huawei are going to be putting out there. Huawei's kind of been just kind of doing ARM-based uh, inferencing, not using dedicated chips necessarily, but you know that's got to be coming. Is Qualcomm's focus on the edge here kind of the real differentiator and the real story what exactly are they trying to do again? Where is this AI chip as a service market that I must have missed whenever I was, you know, out rehabbing my injury? Because <laughs> the last time I checked, nobody wants this. I mean, if you're going to be doing AI as a service, you're building your own custom stuff and you're throwing it in AWS and you're crunching it against HPC clusters and things like that because your software, your IP is the value. Of, of being able to drive all this AI stuff. And if you pin that to a specifically dedicated chip, you're screwed when that company decides to drop support for it or go out of business, or worse yet, gets acquired by your competitor. I mean, I don't, I don't see any real value from this other than saying, hey, look, we're doing an AI thing. Uh, well, and I would say, you know, uh, well, one, I mean, Qualcomm's not going to get acquired We've we've been down that road before. <laughs> not not yeah. going to happen, right? Yeah, it does seem interesting that you know, kind of all these these in-house solutions seem to be invoked. Although I guess Intel would be the outlier there, but they are you know kind of the supplier to the stars, I guess, uh, when it comes to the data centers. We saw from their innovation day, uh, just or their data centric innovation day, uh, just last week. So yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I I, I guess they kind. The edge market is so nascent. I mean, AI, the AI, dedicated AI inferencing chip market, so nascent. The edge, even more nascent, maybe hoping to get in early there, um, you know, form some strategic partnerships. I do think it's interesting. It's, they're basically like, we'll work with anybody. So we'll do the edge stuff. We'll, you can send it back to do all your dedicated stuff, you know, in your cloud data center. We'll just handle the stuff, you know, five miles away from wherever you are, a mile away from wherever you are. You know, we'll, we'll put this on cell sites. We'll put this anywhere you'd want some some advanced inferencing. I do wonder if we'll see some integration, in, you know, into, you know, kind of the, the edge server market. I'm thinking of stuff that, like, XIO is doing where, you know, you can do some, you know, they're really designed, they're really putting out servers and, and kind of, 
HCI-ish kind of stuff that's really just designed to go at edge sites and do kind of that, you know, immediate processing, then punt it back, um, you know, to the big boy downtown. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, it's technically impressive. But where will it go, I guess, is the question. Yeah. All right, Tom. We have a story here about AWS, speaking of them, getting a little dirty. Gizmodo published a report that Amazon's commitment to powering its AI or AWS data center infrastructure with renewable energy has stalled. Originally announced in 2014, Amazon hasn't publicly announced any new deals for clean energy since 2016, as opposed to rivals which are doing it all the time. According to documents seen by Gizmodo, a.k.a. anonymous sources, the company is actively cultivating new oil and gas deals and opening new data centers without any clean energy announcements to power them. As a result, the company and the, while the company announced that 50% of their data center uh, power was renewable in 2018, that percentage could actually decrease as new sites are brought online without any kind of new deals. Google and Apple have already hit 100% renewable goals that they stated back all the way back in 2012. Facebook is set to be 100% renewable for their data center power by 2020. And Microsoft announced the largest corporate solar agreement in the U.S. in 2018, although they are also not I – don't, I don't think they're, they have a timeline yet for being 100% renewable. That's a commitment that they have, but not a firm date. Uh, how concerning is this given AWS's market dominance, and could this prove to be any kind of differentiator for competitors? Nope. This doesn't matter. <laughs> All this matters about dollar dollar bills, y'all. This is what it matters. Amazon is so big that they probably have looked at the economics of going 100% clean and realized that it may not be feasible right now, which generally when they haven't talked about something for three years, it's a pretty good indicator. They want you to forget that they had mentioned. <laughs> and I Look, at this point, I get that Apple wants all their data centers to run clean because they don't have a fortune worth of data centers. They don't own the entire city of Reston, Virginia. And if we wanted to be honest about it, Apple could power their data centers by burning the mountain of cash that they're currently sitting on. <laughs> Talk about non-renewable resources. No, the problem is, is that AWS is and they're bigger than you think. As big as you think they are, they are still bigger than that. Yeah, Microsoft is enormous. Microsoft is, and Microsoft's in the same boat. Google doesn't care. Facebook, <laughs> poor Facebook. Let's just be, let's be upfront and clear about this. The only reason that Facebook is committed to 100% renewable energy is because it's the one thing they haven't screwed up yet. They'll probably <laughs> leak the password. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll leak the passwords to the wind farms, to the Chinese or something. That, no, this this is about Amazon realizing that the operations operational scale that they're trying to operate at won't work unless you build a wind farm the size of Montana. And so that's why they're starting to look at other options. Now, what I can see maybe in three or four years is once they've hit a capacity wall and they, you know, they're stopping growth or at least slowing growth, what they'll do is they'll start transitioning some of their newer sites over to using more renewable resources as there are more renewable resources available. Because remember, they're still relying on public works projects to build all of this stuff. Facebook and Google and Amazon are not going out and building wind farms in the middle of nowhere. They're consuming energy from publicly built wind farms. And let's face it, it is 2019 in the U.S. Based on some of the statements that have been made over the last month, our government is not exactly getting 100% behind renewable resources. So this is a problem of there may not be enough to consume to supplant what Amazon needs to make this work. You know, and to your point that 
I don't think it, it's very hard to wrap your mind around how big AWS is, uh, in, in, both in terms of market share and just in terms of sheer physical infrastructure. I do have to wonder if the best incentive maybe to drive this going forward will be if not obviously as individual consumers, I don't think, you know, voting with our dollar isn't going to make much of a difference to Amazon. You know, the, the one instance that I'm going to pop up to, to, you know, to test out something, they don't care if I send that to Google or to Microsoft or wherever. But I do, I have to wonder if maybe, you know, other Silicon Valley companies that depend on AWS, uh, companies like Netflix, for example, if they all of a sudden come out and say, okay, we're going to commit to only using, you know, power or, you know, renewable energy for all of our infrastructure and that kind of stuff. If that down the road puts pressure on Amazon to maybe accelerate these plans. But yeah, it is interesting, you know, kind of the two biggest players in the cloud space, uh, you know, Microsoft and Amazon, both, you know, not quite at the level of, or at least the the level that they were so eager to hit, I guess, just a few years ago. It also maybe speaks to the fact that AWS has grown even faster than Amazon had anticipated. You know, if back in 2014, they were kind of doing the math and going, yeah, we could we could do this, no problem. And then all of a sudden, ooh. I also think it's interesting. I highly recommend you read the Gizmodo report. It's really great reporting. The, the other interesting thing is that the, all these companies are hypocrites because they also all have huge contracts with oil and gas companies to do AI inferencing for better mapping for drilling and that kind of stuff. So even though, yeah, Google is doing 100% renewables, they're also you know, have contracts worth billions of dollars with, with all of the big energy companies. So uh, nobody's hands are clean. All right. The big event going on uh, this week in terms of another uh, kind of big cloud event is Google Cloud Next. Uh, Google, you know, I think perceived as the number three or it almost certainly is the the number three in the big public cloud players. But uh Maybe their their cloud conference doesn't get quite as much press, but a lot of interesting announcements coming out of here. The first one I wanted to cover is Google Cloud Run. Uh, this uh, builds on the Knative open source project, providing a fully managed API and runtime environment for essentially running containers on a serverless model. Uh, get your bingo cards ready. Instead of being limited to compute, Cloud Neck or excuse me, Cloud Run. Uh, offers the same flexibility across the full stack, the idea being that you provide either a Docker or Kubernetes container, and CloudNext just gives you a URL. Uh, Kind of automatically, Google manages everything else all the way down the line. Um, Are serverless containers a big deal for GCP, or, again, is this just buzzword bingo, Tom? Buzzword bingo. They're checking boxes because they want a little extra market share. Uh, and okay, you're going to get some boutique people that need to spin up instances and have them easily managed. I don't see this being a resource that gets consumed very much at all. Really? Okay. So, you know, containers, huge serverless, huge ish, the combination of the two, it, I, it feels like you're just giving up so much control for probably not a very cost effective benefit. Like you said, kind of boutique instances yeah. down the line. All right, well, I have another announcement for you, Tom. Let's see how this one strikes you. Uh, Google also announced that its uh, cloud service pla- services platform, excuse me, for managing hybrid cloud is coming out of beta and it has been renamed Anthos. Great name, guys. Uh, Anthos will now support AWS and Azure in addition to GCP. Google is positioning this as a single managed service, dare I say a single pane of glass, to launch workloads across all major clouds and on-prem. Subscription pricing starts at a mere $10,000 per month per 100 uh, vCPU blocks. And Google also launched uh, Anthos Migrate, which will auto-migrate on-prem VMs into containers uh, within uh, their Kubernetes engine, which I don't see being a problem at all. Uh, Google has a bunch of hardware and software partners on board for Anthos. Kind of not surprising there. Will Google's automated multi-hybrid cloud build once, run anywhere utopia really succeed, Tom? 
Well, other than the fact that they managed to name it after a Marvel villain with a little <laughs> bit of a, 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 a little bit of wordplay there. Really, if you're building this kind of an infrastructure and you can afford to pay 10 grand a month for it, you don't have a management solution built out yet. OK, that's a pretty rarefied error that you're aiming for. But OK, let, let's go for it. I, I just I don't see where the market is for this, really. I mean, this this kind of feels like they're it's it really feels like a me, too. So what would what, I mean, if so, if you're an existing Google Cloud customer, you're you know, you maybe you you're a, a smaller shop, you're growing. You, you know, you're hearing all this multi-cloud stuff. This all sounds really cool. I want to do this. Google offers this, right? I mean, it, it seems to me there's at least a market for existing Google Cloud users um, that want to, you know, branch out and, you know, diversify, I guess, where they're running their workloads and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't see it being something that would pull in anybody, right? No, this this is this this is not a reason for you to leave your current cloud platform. This is trying to pick up the pick up the detrius from the existing customer base and offer them an additional value add. And I really don't know who's going to bite off on this. I, I would love to come back to this in 18 months and find out if anybody has bought it. Well, and also Anthos migrate sounds like a solution for crazy people, right? Anthos migrate, I believe is what happens whenever you snap the infinity gauntlet. <laughs> Does eternity come out and just yell at you for a little bit there? Uh, yeah. The, I mean, the whole idea of just like, hey, just give us, we'll automatically take your virtual machines and they'll be containers magically and run in Kubernetes. And then you have a Kubernetes cluster that we can manage for you. Um, I mean, it seems, it makes sense for Google, right? Because you're, you, you, you take a thing and then you can turn it into a subscription. Awesome. Uh, I, I'm not turning over any of my essential business and, and praying that it runs well. That seems like a horrible idea. Uh, but, I, I don't want to be too dismissive. I mean, I, I think it's very easy to say, okay, Google's doing all this stuff. They really don't care about cloud. They're in it for, you know, the HPC customer, I guess, or, you know, or maybe, you know, maybe like the, I don't know, the, the big science market versus, you know, more enterprise concerns for the other two uh, major public cloud providers. But yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting solution, right? If it works, right? If it's a, if it really is a, Put your workload here. You can run it anywhere. It is a single pane of glass. That all that all is great. I just don't I don't think it's as easy as they are obviously motivated to let on during this announcement, right? Yeah, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors that have to be dealt with before you can even get close to that kind of level of of performance. And again, proof is in the pudding. If and I and mea culpa, I'll state it today, April 10th. If this takes off and becomes a huge thing, I'll eat some crow. But I think my crow diet is not going to be quite as heavy as one might think. So, Tom, it sounds like what we really need is for uh, Google Cloud to maybe do a Cloud Field Day presentation to really convince you on this. Google? I think that would be great. <laughs> All right. And last kind of uh, announcement I thought was interesting from uh, uh, Google's event there. Uh, they also announced uh, strategic partnerships with several leading open source committed companies, including Confluent, Datastax, Elastic, Influx Data, MongoDB, uh, and Redis Labs with plans of offering fully managed services on for each on GCP. Uh, these will live natively within Google's Cloud Council with unified billing and support and allow for direct integrations with GCP services, which I'm sure Google would love. Um, do you think this is genuine commitment from Google to open source or just trying to pick up people burned by Amazon's recent kerfuffle in this area time? You know, they've kind of pissed off a lot of people recently. Is Google just picking up the scraps here? 
I would believe that this is Google trying to win over some customer base. Um, I'll, I'll believe it even more when you tell me how much of a cut Google's getting from it. Um, I actually talked to some of the people at one of the database companies that Amazon's been burned by, or I'm sorry, that Amazon has been burning. And basically what it boils down to is, is Amazon is giving away something that they sell integration services for free. And that kind of screws your model quite a bit. So <laughs> Google's got to do one of two things. Either they have to give back heartily to the, the open source project so that it can continue to live on. Because if it does, if you don't pay those people, then nothing's going to happen. Or they have to be willing to give up a substantial portion of the profits for running this as a service to support the people who are doing that project. Because let's be honest, if you're taking the open source version of these DBs, you're implementing them as a service, you're directly competing against a product that they're going to be trying to monetize. And if you're trying to take the money from doing that, and you're getting the money from running them on Google Cloud Platform? Man, I thought you were money grubbing with the ads, but this is something <laughs> else entirely. Well, but I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, hey, this sliver of something is better than the nothing that Amazon wants to give you, right? Um, and, I, and I don't see, I mean, even new uh, Satya Mania Microsoft isn't going to offer a better deal, right? So, you know, I think this is Google recognizing that these companies are between a rock and a hard place and being like, hey, uh, you know, uh, digital pennies versus analog dollars or something like that. I don't know if that metaphor quite works, but yeah. Something <laughs> like that. So uh, of the three, Tom, I, I need you to put on your magical prediction hat. Uh, what what will we think has the biggest impact 18 months down the line? If you have to choose one. I know we're kind of skeptical on all of them. Yeah, I, honestly, I think it's the cloud platform management. The, the serverless thing, I don't think they're going to be able to catch up and – the cloud migration thing is basically it's it's how do you run workloads in Google Cloud and somebody else's cloud? Um, so, I, I think that's got the most possibility. The one thing I will say with the serverless container weirdness uh, Google Cloud run is that to me seems like a long term play more for mindshare, right? Of being, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to make this so easy, you know. Like, for, you know, again, further abstracting all of the infrastructure concerns, appealing directly to devs, getting people comfortable running in GCP, you know, maybe that pays off five years down the line when you have, you know, kind of a, the next crop of developers that are just kind of like, I, I don't even know network. No, Google just does that magically. The only problem with that is tomorrow Amazon launches this if it's in any way successful, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a team of people at Amazon who are basically just perfecting this to launch at reInvent. <laughs> and if it looks like there's any kind of uptick in this, you're going to get like, what? well, what's the next Greek letter after Lambda? I don't know. But they'll launch a service that just absolutely crushes this out of existence because they will have market share and they would even have first mover advantage, not because they got there first, but because they've already been running so much serverless that they'll just move everybody over. Is it Mu would be the next one? Lambda mute? I don't know. I, I, I took Greek for two years. It, it, I don't remember the alphabet. It's all Greek to me. <laughs> oh, Tom. This is why we had you back. All right. Well, that just about does it for the Gestalt IT Rundown. But if you want more cloudiness in your life, if this was not enough for you, I alluded to it earlier, but this week, Cloud Field Day is going on. There are tons of great announcements. Uh, if you want to get some real deep dives into the latest and greatest in the cloud, Check it out, uh, techfieldday.com. Uh, it's on the streaming live on the front page uh, now through Friday, and we'll have full video up after the fact as well. So techfieldday.com for all 
of your cloud field day needs. Tom, where can people find more about you? If they have Tom Hollingsworth needs, where can they find more about you? Well, I'm all over the place anymore, it seems like. You can find me on my blog at networkingnerd.net. You can find me on Twitter as at networkingnerd. I've also been publishing a lot of articles recently on gestaltit.com, some event coverage things that we've been working on, some exciting briefings that I've been taking, and possibly even a book review or two. I can't wait to see. I've already seen them. Um, <laughs> you can find me uh, on the Twitters at Mr. Anthropology. That's M-R Anthropology or at GestaltIT.com. The Gestalt IT Rundown is live every Wednesday at 1230 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing some new stuff with the show. I'm super excited about it. Uh, we're going to be maybe switching up the look a little bit and, uh, you know, uh, just making it a little bit better, a little bit greater. And we're looking forward to bringing that all to you. Uh, if you have any feedback on that, uh, rich at uh, gestaltit.com uh, is the way to get a hold of me, and I will probably read it. Until next time, uh, I'm Rich Straffolino, that's Tom Hollingsworth, and we're both wishing you to have a super sparkly day. <laughs>